I just play it. I just want to hear, just want you to read these words. You are holy. You are holy, holy. You are Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb. So when we sing it one more time, I want you just to focus that He is holy, He is Lord, and He is close to 19 years ago. I think it was very early in my walk. And there was a period of time in my life where we weren't doing much for the Lord, but we were pretty idle. We weren't backslidden, we weren't sinning, but we were just idle. God spoke to my heart, says, it's time to move. And I remember seeing a vision, and I don't see visions, I don't have dreams, I'm not that way inclined, but it was an open-eyed vision, and this song was playing. And in the song, I saw a vision, it's like, I was looking from the top down and it was like picture of Jesus on the cross, but I can see his head, the crowns and his hands. And as I came down, it was like a front on vision. And on that vision, I saw Jesus on the cross and I'm saying in my heart, I'm not worthy to do anything for you, Lord. And all I saw, I saw his hands and on one of them, I saw like, it's like a piece of paper. I couldn't see what's on it, but I knew that was my sins. And I saw the nail go through his hands, and his hand went like that, and blood just went everywhere, and it disintegrated the paper. And he says, I don't remember your sins no more. It changed my life that day. I said, wherever you want me to go, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm yours. And some of us need to get a hold of that. He remembers your sins no more. We remember them. The devil reminds us, but he doesn't because he's paid for it with his blood. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. We come before you as children, not as slaves. We come before you boldly because of the blood of Jesus. But we come to hear what the Spirit of grace has to say. We don't want to come in and leave the same, Lord, but we want to move and breathe in you. You are the great chief. You are the great provider. You are the healer. You are the redeemer. You are the Holy Lord. Holy Spirit, speak tonight. Holy Spirit, baptize us in your love tonight. We declare Jesus as Lord over this meeting. We love the Father who sent the Son to give us the Holy Spirit. It is paid at full. And Lord, we will not disrespect you tonight but we will humble our hearts to hear what God has to say tonight I thank you for what you're about to do I thank you Father that you love us that we get to participate in what you're doing that you care for us and Lord I thank you for tonight in Jesus name Amen you can be seated Hallelujah God is good, amen? Hallelujah. Our hearts open up to the Lord. We want to hear what the Lord's got to say, amen? Welcome this Wednesday night. Um, it's a pleasure. I haven't preached on a Wednesday for a while. Lock the doors, everyone. Lock the doors. No one's allowed to leave. 
I look like a guest speaker. <laughs> I take an offering now, everyone knows. No, I'm joking. And uh, look, guys, we meet, if you're new here, if I don't know everybody, we meet here every Wednesday night and we're Sunday afternoons. Dorian's preaching Sunday, yeah? Praise God. Pastor Dorian's going to share the word on Sunday. Um, 4, 4 or 4.30, be here at 4 from 4 onwards. If you're not doing nothing on Sunday, the footy's boring, just come. Tonight I want to share what was on my heart. Uh, the Lord has released Rabs very shortly to start teaching on how to move in, the, in your gifting. And when you hear that, you start to think, wow, that's it. I'm going to find out what my gifting is, how I'm going to operate in it. And that's awesome. But with every task that God gives you and every gift that God gives you, there's a responsibility that goes with it. And no gift that you have is, can operate outside the Holy Spirit. Are we in agreement? You can walk in a natural gift and say God gave it to you and that's awesome. But we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to work through you. And I've got a lot to share in those areas in, in the warning signs. I've been saved 19 years and I've probably made every mistake that you could possibly make in operating in the gifts of the Spirit, operating outside His Word or just walking in the flesh and thinking it's the Holy Spirit. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. But that's what's my journey. That was never done out of malice or out of manipulation. It was done out of naivety. And, and, and walking that walk with the Holy Spirit to learn. See, I'm afraid a lot of the things that we call the Holy Spirit isn't the Holy Spirit. And I'm happy you get goosebumps and your hair on your back stands up for those who've got hair. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> if you're Lebanese, all your hair goes up on our backs. Talking about the guys, not the girls. But just because your hair stands up and you've got goosebumps, and that's great. You can get that watching Disney Channel. But the Holy Spirit is a lot more than just a feeling. It's the power of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, and we've got a bit of time, so bear with me. I'll try and stay on track. But this is something really close to my heart because... I understood the baptism of the Holy Spirit very early in my walk. And I understood where I didn't have the theology for it. I just got slayed in it. And I had every theory. You're demon-possessed. That's not for you. It died with the disciples. It's a gift only God can give. Yeah, yeah, you heard it all before. I've heard it for 19 years. But I'm going to share with you through Scripture. See, God does not change. The Bible says Jesus is the same. Today... Yesterday and tomorrow. I know I got it wrong. All the theologians got it wrong. The same yesterday, today and forever. All right, get ya. But I abbreviate, I paraphrase. But God's the same. Although we've gone from one old covenant to a new covenant, God does not change. Does that mean holiness gets thrown out the window and we're allowed to sin because we're under the blood? Does it? No, God is still holy. He says, you be holy as I am holy, Jesus said. So God does not change, and God's pattern does not change. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, and I hope I, I, it comes across. I'm going to show you some New Testament scriptures, go back to the Old Testament with what the priest wore on the robe to show you that, that God had a pattern designed in the natural to show us the supernatural. Because I'm afraid that a lot of Christians are missing out on so much blessings from the Holy Spirit because we now have an understanding of what is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, I should say. Not what is. Who is the Holy Spirit? 
and I can't teach it all tonight, but I can give you a, a foundation so we can get rid of some of the myths. And some sacred cows are going to drop tonight. Some of your sacred cows, what you think is right, is not right. Because it's the hardest thing when to, to let go of something you think is right. And I've had to let go of a lot of them over the last few years. Because God is right. Amen? All right, let's go to Jude chapter 2. One. There's no two. If you went to two, you've got the wrong Bible. Get it out. There's only one chapter in Jude. It seemed like no one has got their Bibles. No one even said nothing. <laughs> it's only one chapter in Jude. I'm joking. Jude chapter 1. We'll go from verse 20, and we're going to go down to 23. Now, Rabs and I ministered in, in Brazil, and, and, um, and it was funny because every time we ministered, we didn't have time to sit, work out what we could because I preached half, he preached half, like we went, did a sermon half, half, and we had an interpreter, so that was even harder. But every time we sat, goes, what's on your heart, what's on your heart? We didn't have time. We're out there feeding the homeless. We're out running around doing things and we come back, have a shower and then we're in front of 100 people, 200 people, 1,000 people. We just had to preach. So you start rabs and I'll see what the Lord's given me and we'd talk about quickly and then all of a sudden the Lord would give us a word and he would, rabs would preach. I would follow behind him. It was just like amazing. It's just Holy Spirit driven. But I shared this word in Brazil and it's just a basic teaching. But then God exploded in my spirit revelation while I was talking and the poor interpreter couldn't keep up I thought he was going to blow up because he just, I was talking that fast but and then over the last year or so God's been really speaking to my heart so I thought tonight's a great night I asked him he said share it because now especially we're coming into a time where we need to be familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit and I want to share something with you I don't say this to brag or anything like this and please the testimonies that we both share isn't it's to glorify Jesus. I had a Bible study many years ago, and it was only about eight, ten people. And one Tuesday night, I shared the gospel. I shared the, about Jesus being lifted up. Jesus said, if the Son of Man be lifted up, he'll draw people unto him. And I shared about what that meant, about Jesus being put on a cross and, and then talked about the serpents in the desert, just like Moses lifted up the serpents in the desert, so the Son of Man be lifted up. And that was a Tuesday night, and I shared it. Anyway, the following Monday... I get a phone call from someone and they say, oh, look, I just got a phone call. There's a girl that they're coming, her and her boyfriend and her friend are coming to the meeting. I said, okay, beautiful. I said, look, someone referred him to us. She's suicidal. She thinks she's got demons and, and went on and on and on. I said, listen, bring them. Then about an hour later, I get another phone call. Oh, they're not coming anymore because the mother of this girl is a Christian and she doesn't know, she thinks she's going to a house where it's a cult and, and she's a believer. She reckons the daughter's not suicidal and she's just looking for attention. I said, sweet, whatever. I hung up the phone. I've got another call now. No, no, now the mother's coming and bringing her friend and her elders. And I said, I don't care. They're more than welcome to come, but we're not changing nothing for this one girl. We're just going to do whatever we normally do. If they're happy to come, they're more than welcome to come. So I get home from work and I sit down. And I was just looking over my notes and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, preach what you preached last week. I said, huh? I said, I already preached that. I'm not preaching that again. He goes, you do as I say. It was just like, so I said, all right, Lord. It was just an impression that came upon me that, well, like in my mind, I didn't say it out loud. No. So I preached basically the same message. It was I, I just changed it a little bit, but I still preached on Jesus to be lifted up. That night, 
Now, we're thinking, oh, that girl's there. I walked in, the girl, the boyfriend, the girl's friend, the mother, the mother's friend. Like, they all came in. There was more of them than us. Walk into a home. No one knows each other. Hi, how are you? Welcome, sit down. And we preached. Or I, I preached. All of a sudden, I shared this message, and I'm thinking to myself, and everyone's looking at me. We heard this last week. <laughs> I'm thinking, I oh, know. <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm sure. That guy loves to repeat himself. I know I repeat my jokes over and again, but I want to preach the same sermon. All of a sudden, this girl gets up, shaking. She had have a deliverance, but she didn't. She gave her life to Jesus, surrendered her life to Jesus that minute. She bawled her eyes out, gave her life to Jesus, and sat down. But the boyfriend got slayed. The mum got slayed. The mum's mum's got slayed. And the, everyone's out, and they're all out. In the, and I'm thinking, all right, all the guests are out. And she's sitting there like just humbled, this girl. I spoke to the mum after it, and she was over the moon. She goes, oh, I've been in church 20 years, and I haven't felt the Holy Spirit move like this. I go, praise God. She goes, do you know the Hebrew and Greek? I said, I can't speak English. I don't know Hebrew and Greek. I said, I'm just a, <laughs> I'm a painter. <laughs> but I want to show you something, and, and, and I'm making light of it. But two weeks later, that girl died in a car accident. They drove into a tree. The boyfriend broke his back, and the girl died. And if, well, we got hit by fear. What happened? Did we do something wrong? Did we not preach the... Did we not... Was it a demon? Was it all these things? And you, like, you questioned yourself. Like, well, did we do something wrong? Like, I mean, the girl died. We didn't have a number to even ring. We just got a word, man. Would you believe this is what's happened? And, and I went home like a bit downcast in my spirit because I'm thinking, what an amazing night that was two weeks ago. Now she's dead. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, that's why you need to preach what I tell you to preach. Because that girl needed to hear the word of salvation. Now why, how, who, whatever happened, what seed, what, I can't tell you. All I know is she's in heaven. And the Lord made me preach a message that I preached a week earlier. Because God knows what you need. We don't. And the closeness with the Holy Spirit is very important in this day and age. Do we always get it right? No. But we have to at least attempt to spend time with the Holy Spirit, amen, and trust Him in every way. Are you with me? Let's read this scripture. Jude chapter 120. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now Jude's writing here to who? Non-believers or believers? Believers, you beloved. Let me say it this way. He's writing to the church and he's warning, if you read the whole book, of the chapter of Jude, he talks about people that have gone in and snuck into the church and false prophets, false teachers. He warned them about their destruction and he talks about many different things. Then he says, you beloved. He's talking to believers. He says, you that God's in love with, build yourself up. By what? Praying in the, build yourself up. On your most holy faith. That means you have got faith inside you. True? Build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, he didn't qualify this. He didn't say you disciples pray in the Holy Spirit. He didn't say you who have a special gift pray in the Holy Spirit. He said you beloved. Are you God's beloved? Because if you're not tonight, you can be. 
He didn't, he didn't qualify it for a certain race or a certain sect or a certain hierarchy. He said, you, beloved, he's talking to Christians. He's expecting that you do pray in the Holy Ghost. Why? It was very common in the early church. There was no theology to say no. And I can break this down a hundred ways, but tonight I want to stick to my point. But you, beloved, build yourself up. In other words, build up and erect a, a system or a structure on a spiritually structure on the inside of you on your faith that you already have by praying in the how do you build yourself up by doing what? Too, too not noisy enough. I like noise. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Keeping in the love of God. And then verse 22. I want to break this down into two sections. And verse 22 says. And on some having compassion, talking about people, because you have to read it in context. On some having compassion, making distinction. That is the, that's the King James reason of saying, if someone have compassion on those who are doubting or in unbelief or are not sure about their salvation. Next. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. In other words, you're going to hell if you keep going the way you're going which you don't hear much today. Hating even the garment defiled by their flesh. Hate the things they're doing, but don't hate them. And be careful that you don't get defiled. Hate the very fact of what they're doing, but you need to go and get them. Are you with me? When the Pharisees saw Jesus sitting with sinners and publicans and tax collectors, they go, he sits with sinners, but that's who he came for. He, did, he sat with them, ate with them, but he never became like them. They became like him. But when you build yourself up on your most holy faith, and it says here, you know, I just read it 10 times, but hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. So tonight we're going to talk about the garment of the high priest. I won't say it too long there. But Tony, someone said to me, even my son said to me the other day, you talk too much about the garments. I go, well, the Bible talks about the garments. The Bible talks about putting on the robe of righteousness. Put on the garment of praise. Oh, but that's Old Testament. Okay, what about Revelations that Jesus is coming back? His robe, garment, dipped in blood. Here, this is New Testament. He says, don't let the defilement of your garment attach to you. So we're going to look at the garment. And I want to show you what God says. See, the Old Testament... No one knows. The Old Testament conceals what the New Testament... Old Testament conceals what the New Testament... The Old Testament conceals what the New Testament... I can't get nothing out of them. Oh, it's a hard crowd, Rebs. The Old Testament conceals the revelation of Jesus and the New Testament reveals him. Are you with me? God sends the natural to show you the supernatural. Are we in? Now, there's supernatural events in the, old, in the Bible. I understand that. God sends the natural to show you the spiritual. So we're going to have a look at this in a moment. But let's go to Isaiah 61.3. And it says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for, the, for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Look what he says. Now, there's an issue in Zion. Israel, 
and they're mourning. He says, I'm going to give you oil. Speaking of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that symbolic of the Holy Spirit? Of joy for, the, for your mourning. But put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The quickest way you get rid of heaviness is start worshipping God. Start praising Him for what He's done for you. These are just practical things. So you've got the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they be called, so you may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Go to verse 10 for me. I just want to show a pattern here. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as the bride adorns herself with jewels. So there's a lot of figure of speech here, isn't there? Well, let's go to the high priest robe. Now, I want to take you back to Jesus, and I want to show you all this coming together. It's very exciting. Oh, I'm excited. If you don't like it, I'm going to have, a, have fun myself. I'll have a ball. Can you put up that, the high priest robe? Thank you, Antoine and Georgina. This is a replica. This is my mate the other day that was squashed, but we, we didn't squash him this time. So these are replicas in Jerusalem. Georgina and Antoine, they went there on their honeymoon. They took a photo. This was your priest, the normal priest that did their duties. And this is what the high priest wore. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the high priesthood on Sunday. You can go back and listen to it. But I don't want to spend too much time here. But the high, this is what God ordained. Moses had a brother named Aaron. And when God gave the covenants, the Ten Commandments, and all the other covenants with the, with the Jewish people, he made it in a covenant with them. And one of them was that Aaron, his brother, would become a high priest, and his children would become priests. And they were the ones to minister to God on behalf of the people. They couldn't have a relationship with God. Moses could, but they couldn't. So he set up the priesthood, and they would intercede on behalf of the people. Make sense? Beautiful. Now, if you have a look at these robes quickly, there's all these other things, the, the breastplate, the ephod, the, um, the, the turban, the shoulder pads and everything. But tonight I want to talk to you about three things. The blue robe, the white robe, and what's underneath. The blue robe and the white robe. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 27, and we'll probably come back to this. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils and his breath of life and the man became a living being. Some translate a living soul. God breathes into Adam and he becomes a living being. But what does Adam do? We know the story. Genesis 3, 9, 10. Just go through this quickly. Recap for those who never read the Bible. Who don't believe that Adam and Eve was real. That's another myth that we need to break. Then the Lord God called Adam, to Adam and said to him, where are you? Like God doesn't know. So when God asks a question, he's not actually looking for an answer. He knows where you are. He said to him, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam had sinned. I was just sharing with Jared earlier. Adam had sinned. Adam's spirit was of God. God breathed into him. He became a living soul. Adam, whoever seen, who's seen a compass? What does the compass, compass do? Always, the needle always points to where? True north. 
No matter where you go, you can turn this way, whatever north is. Where's north? That way. Where's north Sydney? That way. So that's how I know. I'll, I'll get you lost in the bush, I'll tell you that much. But the compass, no matter which way you turn, will always point true north. True? Adam's spirit was of God. Adam didn't know right from wrong. He just knew God. He was clothed in the glory of God. When he sinned, the first thing he realized, he was naked and he hid from God. His spirit went from true north to crazy, corrupt. But the first thing he noticed that his eyes were open. His eyes were always open. But his eyes were on the glory of God, in the presence of God, in the image of God, in the likeness of God. And it all got turned upside down when he sinned. And now he knew right from wrong, good from evil. And now the Bible says that he, the one again, naked. Now, can we go back to the garment? Now, Adam sinned, and we know a lot of things went on. I'm trying to summarize it because we'll be here till midnight. But nakedness was the first thing that Adam realized he was. So what did he do? I often say the first religion on earth was fig leaf religion. I tried to cover my own shame, so I hid from God, and I covered myself. And God says, where are you, Adam? You know the word, where are you, Adam? He knew where he was. He just, that wasn't the Adam that he created. It being he died. And he's tried to cover himself. So he's tried to cover his own shame, his own guilt, by his own good deeds. And God says, no. And the Bible says that he, he was covered with a, a, a skin or fur. That was the first mention of the cross or blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin was in the garden. God killed an animal to, to clothe them with the skin of an animal. It was symbolic of that Jesus one day would die on the cross for your shame, your shame, your guilt. First mention. But I want to show you something. When God established the priesthood to minister unto God, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. Now he would do the sacrifice of the lamb and do the water. But guess what? There's a lot of things that went with it. But listen, if he did one thing wrong and he walks inside the Holy of Holies, he drops dead. One thing, the lamb had to be without spot and blemish. They had to, to, to kill the lamb a certain way. There's so many different things they had to do. But one of the things that he had to do was, it's in, and let's go to this Exodus chapter 28 and verse 42. I'm just going through this quickly, lay a foundation, and then I'll wake you up. And you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. So God, in the natural, said man was naked from where? The waist down. Can we go back to the high priest robe? Oh, can we go back to the next verse? Sorry. They shall be on Aaron, which is Moses' brother, and his sons. When they came, and mind you, that's their whole descendants, all the way to John the Baptist. Okay. And they're coming to the tabernacle of meetings, or when they come in near the altar to minister in the holy place, they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. In other words, there's a whole list of things to do. And I'm just summarizing this. But one of the items he had to wear was under the garment. So you don't know now. Can we go back to the, our mate? Let's call him Aaron. Aaron, A-A-Ron, A-A, you know that joke? A-A, how do you say Anyway, Aaron, yeah. Aaron, is now given the task 
to kill the lamb, to, to find the lamb first, make sure it's about, kill it and go into the Holy of Holies. That's awesome for the forgiveness of sins. But Aaron had to dress a certain way, and this is what he had to dress in. But you, you look at Aaron now, you see him dressed like that, and you see, okay, what's the problem? He's covered. But the Bible says that there was nakedness in the garden, and the sin of man is nakedness from the garden, yeah? So God says, now you need to put on, have you got those shorts? These pants, these are called the under, undergarments they used to wear. Now to us, they're a pair of shorts, yeah? I made out of a linen. But they were to put on from the waist down. Why? To cover their nakedness. If the high priest didn't put them on, you wouldn't know. He could have put something else on. But if he didn't wear that and walked into the holy, he dropped dead. Because he walked into the presence of God naked. Or he walked in with his flesh, his defilement, his sin nature. But God made a way out by making that. He said, put that on. But isn't it interesting? Those are the only things that you put on from the ground up. There's a common name for these. They're called the drawers or the breeches of salvation or the garment of salvation. Why are they called the garments of salvation? Because that's the only item that you would put on when you face the ground. That's the only item you have to put on yourself by bowing down. Speaks of repentance. It says that I'm humbled, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I put on salvation. I put on Christ. If you don't put on Christ, if you don't wear these drawers, you will die in the presence of God. We cannot enter the Holy of Holies unless the blood of Jesus. But you as Christians today, we don't wear garments. We put on Jesus. We have to bow our knee. You cannot receive Jesus by your parents. You cannot receive Jesus by your heritage. You cannot buy Jesus. You can't join a club. You have to bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus. You need to repent and put on salvation. And guess what he does after that? You put on salvation. This is a figure of speech. Can you go back to Aaron, please? Under there, you can't tell. Because we know that robe, this white robe, goes from the shoulder down to the feet. He's covered, but not to God. The only thing you, out of those outfits that you would put on from the ground is the shorts, which means you bow your knee to the salvation. You bow your knee. You have to repent of your sin, look down to the dust of the earth where you came, and you put on Jesus. He's the only one that covers your sin. Can we say amen? The minute you get born again, the minute you give your life to Jesus, the minute you, you're born from above, the minute you have that faith in the finished work of the cross, God, the Bible says, gives you the gift of righteousness. So your spirit now is ignited back to Adam, true north. God breathed into Adam, and now God's blood is washing you and making your spirit back to where it should have been in the first place. The robe of righteousness comes from above. Look, that robe comes from the top, speaks of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that seals you for the day of redemption. You with me? We have the robe of righteousness. Okay. The blue robe represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Blue represents heaven. The Bible says that the Spirit of God fell from heaven like a dove on Jesus. And on the bottom of the robe, you've got a bell and a pomegranate. Have you got those bell and pomegranate ones? Close up. So that's a pomegranate. That's a bell. The bells were made out of gold. The pomegranates were woven together from red, blue, and um, purple. Purple representing royalty. Jesus is the king of kings. Blue represents heaven and the heavens opening up. 
and the red represents the blood. But pomegranates always represent in the Jewish term love or the fruit of love. The bells represent what happens with a bell when you ring a bell? Makes a noise. What happened on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell? A sound like a rushing wind came in and tongues of fire fell upon everybody. It's a, that's the gifts of the Spirit. They make a noise. That's love. And all around the robe, that's what you see. And when the high priest walked into the holy, they'd be ringing. If they heard no more ringing, uh -uh. dead. What a scary place to be. So have I laid a foundation yet? That our salvation is about us repenting and receiving Christ. And he puts on salvation. He covers our nakedness. Then straight away from above, all the robe represents heavenly blessings. All good things come from above. The robe of righteousness, it's white. White represents purity. White represents your sins are washed and made as white as snow, as just as if you have never sinned. And the blue represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if, they, if the priest neglected to wear them, he dropped dead. We can't come into God's presence with our own flesh. We come into God's presence with the Spirit because of the blood of Jesus. Unless a man is born again, he cannot, cannot see the kingdom nor enter it. See, salvation through Jesus Christ doesn't just mean I'm going to heaven. Praise God, we're going to heaven. Salvation or being saved. But the word salvation in the Greek means zozo, which means to be saved, healed, redeemed, and blessed. Body, soul, and spirit. Salvation doesn't just mean I'm going to heaven, I've been saved for the fires of hell. Salvation means what's encompassed in our salvation or zozo is wholeness, well-being, health, mentally stable, everything. He purchased it all on the cross. The same sacrifice at the cross purchased our healing as much as he purchased our eternal life. Just as much as he broke every curse. And we've gone through that. When Jesus hung on a cross, contrary to popular demand, he didn't hang on a cross with a little tunic. The Romans were executors. They were experts in execution. The whole idea of dying on a cross was to make you suffer for two, three days and show you to the public and embarrass you and disgrace you and hang you up there naked. Jesus took our nakedness on the cross, hallelujah. He hung on a cross naked. He took every sin, every disease, every curse, everything that the devil threw at us, he took it. He who knew no sin became so we could become the righteousness of God so we can be dressed from above. Come on, somebody. But I want to show you something. It's amazing. I see in pictures, and I love this, because you can see what God already had placed in the shadow in the natural sense to show you what Jesus was about to do. Are you with me? But isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit is your teacher. We might just go to Isaiah 28, 9. And I want to go back. I want to show you something interesting. This is in Isaiah 28, 9. Now, a bit of uh, classroom participation. The Holy Spirit's known as what? The comforter? The helper? Someone said counselor. He's the spirit of truth. He's also known as the teacher. 
He's our teacher. I want to show you something here. This is Isaiah 28. This is in Isaiah's day. Whom will we teach knowledge? And whom will we make to understand the message? Those who just weaned off milk? Those who just drawn from their breasts? Don't go any further yet. What did Paul say in, um, was it Hebrews or Ephesians? Hebrews, yeah. He says, you ought to be teachers now, but I should be giving you meat, but instead I have to give you milk. You're so carnal. You're so sensual. You're so into this world. You're like babies still. As I said the same thing. Go, next one. He says, who's going to teach? Who's going to give you understanding? For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Next verse. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. He's looking at me like a coward in Newgate. Can you please go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14? Here in Isaiah, he's talking about how am I going to make you understand spiritual things to a natural person? What did Nicodemus say to him? You must be born again. What did Nicodemus say? Come on, somebody. Come on, who's reading their Bibles, man? He says, good on you. He says, I'm an old man. I'm 80 years old. Do I go back to my mother's womb? That's probably something I would have said to him, you know. He says, you who, like Nicodemus was no dumb person. He was pretty high up in the Pharisees. And he was a good man and all these things. But he says, if I'm going to speak to you about worldly things, how am I ever going to speak to you about heavenly things? Because they could not see. There was a veil. We've got veils on our eyes. If we don't tap into the Spirit to understand the Word, but how are you going to tap into the Spirit if you don't know the Holy Ghost? He says, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. For he, go back, sorry. For he who speaks in tongues, for he who speaks in tongues, can you all read it out loud for me so I'm not lying to you? Go. For he, You don't speak the man, you speak to God. This gift of the Holy Spirit isn't tongues for an unbeliever, isn't tongues for intercessional groanings. This is not for tongues for interpretation. This is your gift when you got saved to converse with the Holy Spirit so God the Father can teach you directly. That's how He's going to teach us knowledge. And I've heard every excuse. No, no, no. Listen, is salvation a gift? Is it? How did you receive it? By faith. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He gave me the gift of salvation. He gave me the gift of righteousness. So why, why can we accept that by faith? And when we come to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tell me if God wants to. I'm not worthy. I'm not sure. It could be demonic. I watched someone on YouTube once and he reckons he was talking and he doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah, that's the whole point. I don't know what I'm saying. Hello? If you did, you wouldn't pray half the things he wants you to pray for. What does the Bible say your mind is? It's enmity to God. It's at war with God. Our natural mind's at war with God. So what he does, you can't save yourself. So I sent Jesus on the cross to die for you. Then you know what? You're hopeless. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to die on the cross, rise again, and I'm going to renew your spirit because you're dopes. And then, you know what? You're a sheep and sheep are dumb. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to teach you and speak to you like the Father. You know what? I'm going to bypass your natural mind because you've all got so much crap in your minds. So what I'm going to, and me too, don't, I'm not blaming you guys, all right? So relax. Anyway, 
But what I'm doing is that, oh, guys, he saved us. He healed us. He delivered us. He wants to teach us. And it's all based on the Spirit of God. Why is it so important that Jesus said, I must go? I better go. But Lord, how is it better that you go? Man, we saw you walk on water. We saw you heal the sick and raise the dead. And we saw you crucified with our own eyes. We even rejected you, but now you're risen. Where are you going? It's better that I go. Because if I don't go, the comforter won't come. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to guide you into all truth. Isaiah is talking about it. Here it says, who you speaks in tongues does not speak to man, but speak to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. The mystery is not to God. The mystery is in us, that we're speaking it. God already knows the mysteries. He wants you to speak it out. Why? God created the word with his lips. You create everything around you with what you say and what you believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, oh, come on, somebody. You can frame your world by your words. Not just positive thinking words. That's rubbish. You'll do that for five minutes and you know, go to the gym and, and it's all over. But this is eternal. Are you with me still? No one's got rocks yet to stone me. Okay. I want to go back to the robe for one second. I want to show you something that the Holy Spirit... Now, why I'm showing you all this is if God's interested in every integral detail in the Old Testament, every integral thing in the Bible, do you think he's not interested in your life? He's interested in every area of your life. He wants to bring you to the place of wholeness in your life. He wants you to fulfill your destiny on this earth. Yes, we're going to heaven. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at the robe. Uh, the, the bells, sorry. Bell, pomegranate. So let's go. Bell, pomegranate. Bell, pomegranate. Bell, pomegranate. Bell, pomegranate. Yeah? All the way around the robe. I want to show you something that blew me away years ago. First Corinthians chapter 12. Sorry, you're doing a good job. Now, first, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. If there's one thing we're ignorant about is spiritual gifts. But I'm not going to read the whole chapter because that whole verse is talking about the gifts and different types of gifts in the one body and everyone's got a different member. It's all about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14 we just read is about praying to God. Gifts. True? Chapter 13, please. Though I speak with tongues, though I speak with tongues, of men and of angels, talking about the Holy Spirit, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Chapter 12 speaks about the gifts. Chapter 12, 13 speaks about love, because that chapter is love is patient, love is kind. Every wedding, I had two, this, three this weekend. I heard it every service, except for the one I did. Um, and chapter 14 is about the gifts of the Spirit. Are you with me? Can you just go back to 14 for me? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, and we know the rest of that. Go back to the picture. I just want to show you something. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, whether Paul knew it or didn't know it, look what he did. He said, chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14, the gifts of the Spirit. But if there was no love in the middle, they're like a clanging cymbal. When the priest would walk and they hit no love, it's what? Like a clanging cymbal. But when love is in the middle, guess what? They hit love, the pomegranate. Chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. Chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. Can you see the picture of the Holy Spirit? Let's go back to Jude, the first, what we just read. To show you, we went from New Testament 
to Old Testament, back to New Testament, yeah? But you, beloved, ever say you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in, keep, yeah, keep yourselves in the, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. What was happening when the priest was walking? He was walking in the spirit in a pr practical sense. ding a ling a ling a ling Where was it hitting? Love. Because if you hit bell on bell, guess what it has? You're a clinging symbol. In the natural, God respects that and in us. See, if we don't have no love, we have the love of God, you can have all the gifts in the world and it's going to be like a clanging symbol to God. There are a lot of people gifted in the body of Christ who have no love and they're like a clanging symbol to God. But you can't just say, oh, I love. It's the love of eternal of God. It's the love of God. It's the agape love. It's the, it only comes by praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I'm praying mysteries to God. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me. And he downsizes the love of God. And a lot of things that I struggled with in the natural would fall off me when I spent time in the Holy Spirit. Everything I tried to do in the natural wouldn't get away. But in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, and God shows you this picture from the Old Testament. I don't know if that excites you, but it excites me. That nothing is amiss in the Bible. Look at this. If God's breathed into Adam and made him a living soul. Now, I want to address something here. What time is it? I've got my watch for. No one wants to tell me. Someone said 9 o'clock. No, it's not. Was it? There you go. We've, got, we've still got two hours. Yellow. No. So Genesis 2 speaks of breathing into Adam, does it not? We read it earlier. God breathed into Adam. Look what happens when Jesus, what's the first thing Jesus does when he rises from the dead? He does a few things, but one of them is this one. That's where we look, John chapter 20, verse 21. I've laid a foundation, I hope, that it's so important to believe what the Bible says. Amen? I love what preachers say and theologians say, and but that's all great. But I'm here to tell you that the Word of God is the only source of life, and the only teacher I've got is the Holy Spirit. Does that mean we don't have teachers? Of course we do. But if, listen to me, this is, you know, someone said to me, the Holy Spirit's my teacher, I don't listen to anyone. I said, okay, it's beautiful. So I'll ask you a question. If you believe that, I said, yeah, but your faith is not based on the cross, and you can go to church every day, but your faith not on the cross. You can go to church for 100 years and not go to heaven because you haven't put your faith in the cross. So unless your foundation is in the cross and the finished work of the cross, you can't base anything on what you're saying. Holy Spirit's my teacher. Said, okay. Are you talking for five minutes? <laughs> if he's your teacher, then that teacher needs to be sacked. Because my faith is based on the finished work of the cross. The Bible's full of apostles and prophets and preachers and teachers and evangelists. Why did God give us that? What he was saying is the fundamental foundations of your faith is on the finished work of the cross. What Jesus done on the cross. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then he becomes the compass in your heart. Then we read the word, we search out the word. And when someone teaches something, uh -uh. I remember a guy coming to me in a Bible study. Honestly, everything he said was nearly perfect. Like, did I just lose that? Yeah. It was nearly perfect. Like, when I say perfect, like, he was talking and he's talking about how he had a deliverance and that. And I started talking a bit more and he had an angel visit and that's biblical. And he had a dream and that's biblical. He talked about Jesus and that's biblical. I thought, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Then he said one thing and my spirit jumped. I went, okay, I thought, I'm going to just talk to this guy a bit more. It was after the Bible study finished. I said, brother, 
when you had your deliverance, what, what did you do? Like, did you call on the name of the Lord? Did someone pray for you? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to mention names, and, and I'm not mocking anybody, but they, they tied him down to a bed, blindfolded him, and they did a seance on him or an exodus, and the demon come out of him, and now he's seeing angels and all this. And the first half of my conversation was nothing wrong. You're saying all the right things. Holy Spirit said to me, there's something wrong here. Just not a word, not a vision, but just a nudge in my spirit. Remember we talked about knowing the counterfeit from the truth? But you don't find out the counterfeit by studying the counterfeit. You find out the counterfeit when you know the truth so well. When someone studies, I said this, if some people wouldn't have heard it, about the money in America. Can you have all the same size and same color and same everything? So people can do fraud and it's just the numbers that are different and there's a few things different. But they study the perfect note. They study the real note. They know the note so well when a counterfeit comes, they know it straight away. They don't go and study the counterfeit, they study the real. They're so familiar with the real that when the counterfeit comes, they know. A lot of people are going to fall for the Antichrist because they're looking for him and don't know the real yet. They don't know Jesus yet. You need to know who Jesus and his word and you won't fall for the false. Just throw that in for free. So this guy come, he's talking to me. And then, like I said, oh, lovely guy. And next thing you know, I said, this is not right. When he told me about the way they did his deliverance, I said, do you mind if I pray for you, bro? He said, yeah. That guy at that time, he was letting everyone pray for him by that time. So I said, would you mind coming inside? So we went in from the, it was like a carport. And we went into the side. And I said, to the brother, come with me. Now, if you've ever seen this, I don't know. I didn't even lay hands on the guy. I said, in the name of Jesus. My hand was going to his chest. I didn't even get to his chest. He's gone. So his back was arched like that. He just arched like, I don't know how you do that, man. I just hit my back door. And he's arched like that. And he screamed the loudest scream and came out of him. Screamed the whole house down. And we were doing Bible studies. My friend's dad was asleep in the bed. <laughs> Poor guy. Anyway, he's like that. And God set him free. He didn't know what happened to him. See, I knew enough to know the real from the counterfeit. Because I spent time with the Holy Spirit. I don't always get it right, but I tell you what, the Holy Spirit will nudge you. Because he's not trying to get me to be right and him be wrong. He's trying to set him free. He was full of demons, the poor guy. I didn't even touch him. How do you flip back like that? God set him free. Never saw him again. He rang me once. That was it. We did our job. But when you know the truth from the faith, but when you know the power of God that lives in you, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the gates of all cannot prevail. Look what he says in John 20. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. What's the next verse? I don't know. Don't worry about it. Did they receive the Holy Spirit? Did they receive the Holy Spirit? Isn't that what it says? He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. True? Okay. I'm going to share what happened here. But I want to just want to sh show you something. Acts 1, 4. I want to address something. It's in my spirit. That you cannot confess Jesus as Lord without the Holy Spirit. And you cannot curse Jesus by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. So any believer, no matter where, that confesses Jesus Christ, died on the cross for them and rose again, if they believe in their heart and confess from their mouth, they have the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's with me. But I want to show you something. God, Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit. 
But look what he says to him now before he goes back to heaven. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for, for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has point, put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. Everyone say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to, uh, witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now let's go back to that verse. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. When you, you receive the Holy Spirit, it has come upon you. But when you shall receive the Holy Spirit, come upon you. Didn't we just read he breathed on him the Holy Spirit? So what's he talking about here? What happened in Genesis 2, boys and girls, men and women, fellows and felices? In Genesis 2, the Bible says he breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. Adam lost that likeness of God in the spirit. Jesus comes and takes his nakedness, dies on a cross, rises again, and he goes, he took them back to their original place where they should have been with Adam. He restored Adam's sin, but now they're in the likeness of him. That's the time they got born again. That's the time they got their spirit renewed. That's the time. But he says, but that's the renewing of their spirit. The Bible says in Titus, he becomes, um, uh, it, it gets ignited again. It gets regenerated. It comes back to life. It was dead all those years. Man was spiritually dead for all those years. But now they're the first to get born by the spirit of God, by, the, by Christ. And now he comes and sees them before he's going home to heaven. He says, but wait for the promise. When did the promise come? I swear this is the last scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Sorry, verse 1. 2, 1. My favorite day of the year, which is every day, other than my salvation, the healing he's done in my body, the provisions he's given me, the mess he's taken me out of, everything is great, but the greatest gift other than my salvation is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Knowing that that spirit was in the temple and they were so scared to go in there and only one person go in there, now he wants to live in you and me. We say, but not for me. But when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. That's not a Honda accord either. It's just one accord in one place. And suddenly he came like a sound of heaven. ding a ling a ling a ling as a rushing wind, mighty wind. And it fell on the whole house where they were sitting. And then it, it appeared to them like divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each other of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. On the day of Pentecost, Pentecost is a Jewish feast. It's the feast of first fruits. They used to give the first fruits and bring it to the temple. Yeah. Guess what the first fruits was after Jesus rose from the dead? He gave us the Holy Spirit. What's the next one say? I'm guessing now. Sorry, I didn't even tell you. And in there that were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And I'm not going to go into all of them because I can't say their names. Listen to me. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit, did he not? 
We're in agreement, aren't we? If you call Jesus Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. You have been sealed for the day of redemption. But when you receive power, dunamis power, it's the Greek word that means dynamite power. Because before that, they didn't do nothing to disciples. If anything, if you would read just before this, it says Peter was with the disciples hiding from the Jews. He had the Holy Spirit breathed on him, but now he's still scared. And he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and he preaches a sermon to the most religious Jewish people of the day. And 3,000 gave their life to Jesus and got baptized in water. 3,000. So yes, you are have the Holy Spirit. But listen to me. Praying in tongues is not the objective. The evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that was spoken in tongues. I can go through the whole of the book of Acts for you. But I want to share something with you. I want to finish with the first scripture. And for those who struggle with it, it could be a mindset. It could be a tradition. I, I, I ministered with a, a person from my old church for many years and she came out of a church that taught against it. So how much more? One thing, oh, I don't understand that. I don't believe that. One thing, to be taught against it, to break that mindset. But you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus unto eternal life. Can we stand? Hallelujah. I want to do something different tonight. I could show you maybe another 20 scriptures, not to prove what I'm saying, but to show you what the Lord's trying to tell us. That when I speak in tongues, I'm talking about my personal edification, my own language before me and God, so I can learn straight from the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God that came upon the early church. And so they can be witnesses. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't do nothing. We're talking about this earlier. Peter, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, Nathaniel, all the boys, James. All walked with Jesus, saw Jesus walk on water, saw Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead. They saw Jesus teach. They ate with him. They slept with him. They cried with him. They laughed with him. And yet the greatest apostle of all is Paul, who never saw him, only in the spirit. The greatest apostle that wrote majority of the New Testament was a man who received it by Jesus, by the spirit. The greatest man of the whole one that spoke about tongues more than everybody and praying in the Spirit was the Apostle Paul, who was murdering the church, who was taking people to prison. And yet we say, but I don't know if I could see Jesus. You can, but you see him in the Spirit. And you spend time with the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, I come quickly. People say, well, it's been 2,000 years. He hasn't come. He's quickly, he's quickly he's very slow. Jesus said, I come quickly. You know, he returned back in the person of the Holy Spirit. He is coming back, but he came back in his power and his might via the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says that God does not dwell in any man-made temples. He dwells in the hearts of his people. I'm talking to the ones that here that don't have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and the Lord put on my heart a week ago, and I don't want you to come up here, and you just can if you want. But where you are, if you, got, if you, if you do 
If you do want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, according to what we just spoke about, and you're shy or whatever, you stay there with your friends. Someone, if, you, if, if no one prays in tongues or hasn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit or, wants, or someone that's been dormant and hasn't really spoken for a while and thinks they've lost the gift because you haven't lost it, or the flesh is rising and you, you just, you know, you're just not walking in the flow of the Holy Spirit. you got friends next to you. If, if you haven't, I'm happy to pray with you. But if you've got friends next to you, I want you guys to be honest with yourself. Don't leave tonight. Don't, please don't leave tonight. I went through the whole, like I went through all that. Not the whole, I could go for two hours if you want. To show you that this is for you, for now. It didn't die with the disciples. It didn't die just for the disciples. You know, every gift that we have in the Bible in the New Testament was in the Old Testament. There's only two gifts that weren't. Prophecy was in the Old Testament. Healing was in the Old Testament. Miracles were in the Old Testament. Words of wisdom were in the Old Testament. Signs and wonders were in the Old Testament. Dreams and visions were in the Old Testament. Discerning of spirits was in the Old Testament. Everything's in the Old Testament. The two gifts that weren't were speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Why? Because he says, I can't teach you like that until I die and rise again. Because I want a people that communicate with me one on one. If you're willing to give yourself over to the Holy Ghost, he's willing to speak to you. But I don't know what I'm saying. Good. Because your mind's not fruitful, but your spirit prays. I don't know how to pray, but the Spirit makes intercession for me. If you've got a situation in your life and you don't know how to pray, or you've prayed all you can pray, and you've done all you can do, get on your knees and start praying to the Holy Ghost. Why? Because then God takes action. And if you're struggling with a sin in your life, start praying in the Spirit. Why? Because you think, I've got to stop this to do that. And He might say to you, you need my love, son. And that's the only reason why you're going to stop. I don't know what you want, but the Holy Spirit because we can't get any further until we have a communion with them. We're trying to have a relationship with Jesus outside the Holy Spirit. That's like the church, old, old, old um, Jews trying to have a relationship with God without the high priest, without Moses, without Abraham. We can commune with Jesus one-on-one because -on -one His Spirit is in you, but the Holy Spirit is the one that is sent from the Father to show you all things. The Holy Spirit has not come to be your Lord. He's come to bring Jesus' Lordship to you. He's come to form Christ in you, the hope of glory. Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your, he's your teacher. He's your counselor. So right there where you are, and I'm just going to just pray here. So I want this to be you and God, not someone did this or someone did that. But the people next to you, I want you to agree with them in prayer. If you want this, you don't have to put your hand up. Enough. I'm not here to embarrass anyone. But I want you to understand that it's time for you to reach out and touch heaven. If the woman with the issue of blood didn't run out and risk her life to touch it, she should be dead now. Come on, somebody. She'd be dead. If only I could touch the hem of his garment. The woman that came from Syrian Phoenician. Oh, it's not good for me to get bread and give it to dogs because even dogs eat off the crumbs of the table. He has great faith. Or the Roman centurion who was occupying him. Imagine going to Jesus and saying, well, you know, yeah, I am I'm occupying your parents and I've been, you know, chasing down your mates and I've been locking up your friends. But do you mind? You're a man of authority and my servant's sick. Just say the word, he shall be healed. He goes, mate, great faith in the whole of Israel. The two people he said had great faith were outside the covenant. They weren't in the covenant. They reached out. Holy Spirit's for you tonight. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, Today is the day is to put on the garment of salvation.
because you're not going to get anything else unless you do that. So where you are today, or even if you have backslidden away from the Holy Spirit and you haven't been spending time, you know what? Just where you are, pray for one another. And the floor is open. But I'm going to pray a blanket prayer, and I want you to understand. I'm going to pray a prayer that for the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you are, and those who want it, just whisper to your friend and say, just agree with me. Lay hands on me. Whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable with. And if you read further on the book of Acts, he says, and this is what was prophesied in Joel. And he said, and this is for you and for your children and those who are afar. Well, we're afar. It's for us all. You ain't going to do nothing for Jesus unless you, get, you understand the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you, Jesus. You're a wonderful, wonderful Savior. You're the God of the supernatural and you're the God of the natural. So, Father, you said if anyone comes to the Father and asks for a, a Holy Spirit, you're not going to give him a snake or a scorpion. He said, if you or kid comes and asks you for bread, do you give him a snake? He says, you who are evil give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? If you ask him. So, Father, tonight, you know the hearts of every person. Jesus is the baptizer. He says, I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and then you have power. So, Lord, I ask you for the power of the Holy Spirit as of Pentecost, Father, as your word says, by faith, that they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they speak in tongues of angels as the Spirit gives them utterance. Father, I break every mindset that's against the knowledge of you, every imagination, and we pull it down in the name of Jesus. Every form of witchcraft, Father, that comes against their mind, I command it to leave in Jesus' name. Every old mindset, every stronghold, Father, every wrong teaching, every false doctrine, Lord, I come against you in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for the helmet of salvation. And Lord, I thank you for the sword of the Spirit that cuts through the heavenly realms. Thank you, Father, that I can receive you, the Holy Spirit. What you died for at Calvary. Our best friend. Father, I thank you right now as you baptize people in the Holy Spirit. You immerse them in your love right now. I thank you, Father, right now that you would touch the hearts of every person right now. That would they would lift their holy hands up and they receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let the joy of the Lord come upon them in the name. It's not about what you've done or haven't done. It's not about what you're about to do. It's about who you believe in. It's about the blood of Jesus that opened heaven. Thank you, Father, for the fire of God to come down right now. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father, right now. Thank you, Father. Now, you, he does the baptism. You do the speaking. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Whatever comes to you, open your mouth and speak. Whatever comes to you. Don't be embarrassed. He hung on a cross and wasn't embarrassed to die for you. Why would you be embarrassed to speak in his language? He was, he was crucified publicly for you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Come on. Let it flow. Let it flow. 
if you want a hand and there's no one next to you, I'm happy to pray for you. I just want this to be you and Jesus. Let it flow. Let it flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You open your mouth. You speak. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to walk around the room and when the Holy Spirit prompts me, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you if I can pray for you. Holy Spirit's in the room. I want you to get your eyes off man and get your eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Don't be intimidated. Don't be scared. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let it flow. Let it flow. Hallelujah. Let it flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some people here God's speaking to about confessing some things that you've said against the Holy Spirit. You haven't blasphemed him, but you've had thoughts and teachings in your heart and you need to release them now. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us need to repent that we've used the Holy Spirit as a tool. Like, we'll come and go as we please. No, it doesn't work like that. We don't prostitute the Holy Spirit. He leads us. We don't lead him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.